Hello there. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Backling. How are you, Greg? I'm very well, Brett. Comment ça va? Ça va bien? A little cloudy, but uh, it's okay. It's funny how our mood in this part of the world is almost entirely dictated based on the weather outside. Yeah. Uh, how are you doing today? Well, it's sunny today, so I must be in a great mood. Well, I did, yeah. <laughs> it's true, right? I would, I don't, okay, you lived in BC. I don't, yes. Uh, was it cloudy in the Okanagan? In the wintertime, yes. Like, a lot. How was that for your... It was not good, but I was a skier. I, I skied uh, sometimes 100 days a year up at Silver Star, so you get up above the clouds, actually. Oh, wow. Yes. So um, usually they it's, the cloudiness is caused by quite often something called an inversion, where the, the air above higher aloft is warmer than it is in the valley. And so then the clouds would come in and they'd get socked in for days and days at a time. And you could get up above the clouds, go skiing up at Silver Star and get some sunshine. Without that, I, yeah, I wouldn't have lasted three winters in, in the Okanagan without the ability to go uh, skiing. How high is this mount, this Silver Star? It's, it's not that high. Speak. Well, I guess it is, it is about 5,000 feet above sea level because I think it's at a mile high of elevation. And the valley's already pretty high up, uh, up from sea level. So, uh, yeah, Silver Star is awesome. It's got one of the highest vertical drops of, of all skiing in uh, North America, in fact. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I might have to. I've always wanted to go on a skiing trip in Western Canada. So. Well, hopefully they're listening out there, and maybe for <laughs> spring break next year, we could do a week of shows from Silver Star, Big White, Sun Peaks, Panorama. We're open to suggestions if you're listening out there. Baba, can you make that happen for us? Thanks. <laughs> anyway, we're ready for the weekend. You ready for the weekend? Ready for the weekend. You're going to be calling on anyone? No, before I before you be. go out tonight. Well, well, why would you ask me if I'm going to be maybe calling do a little pop in? A pop in? No. Do you do the pop in? No, only with my parents. But generally, it's 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 a it's a like a regular pop in Sunday evening. So it's an appointment. They know I'm coming. That's not a pop in. So it's but the even but I always if I do happen to pop in even with my parents, I will alert them. Hey, can I come over? I'm in the in the neighborhood. I'll be right there. So is that more for them? Or is that more for you because you don't want to pop over there and then they're not home? Uh, that's a, that, that's an interesting question, but it, I think it's more to give them a heads up because the odd time that I would pop in is because I'm already in the neighborhood. Like I haven't, like I've gone, like I go to Transcona to get my hair cut, for example, or something like that. If I have something in Transcona and I'm already there and then I might think, well, I'll go see my parents for a few minutes. So it's not like I've made a special trip. So it doesn't matter if I were to show up and they weren't there. So is this manners that you've been taught? Because you and I have had this discussion. I think you have terrific manners. I noticed one thing today. I lent you my newspaper. <laughs> I handed it to you in several pieces only because you had a asked for it when I was kind of using it. But I gave it to you and you handed it back to me. Put together, not only did you have everything Put back together, but the sections were in the sequence in which they originally came <laughs> to my doorstep today. And I was like, wow, somebody brought you up correctly. So is the pop-in just something that you were taught not to do and the heads-up thing and, uh, you know, to let someone know that you're you're in the neighborhood and you'd like to come by? I, I'm curious about this. I don't think I was really taught anything specific. As far as the newspaper goes, 
My parents did try to teach me good manners and to sort of clean up after myself, but the paper thing, I wonder if that's more of an OCD thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they did, like, they would encourage me to call on people when I was a kid. Right. Why don't you go uh, go see your friend Warren? Why don't you call him Warren Law? Go say hello. So I would do that. I'd ride my bike over to Kildare and Madeline and see if Warren was home. So there is a method to our conversation surprisingly enough, at 1.09 on this Friday afternoon, came across an outstanding stand-up piece earlier this week, Sebastian Maniscalco, and it's from a series of stand-ups, and I think the overall performance is What's Wrong With People, and it was about back in the day, and I hate using that term, but I, I, I find myself using it more often, back in the day, you would just Go over to someone's house because you were in the neighborhood. I was in the neighborhood. I thought I'd come by. Mm. And there was a sense of excitement when you were at home. You'd be sitting watching Happy Days, Married with Children, fill in whatever generation you happen to be in, watching TV, and then the knock at the door or the doorbell. Now that's met with a a lot of hesitation and a, did you... who could that be? <laughs> and you peek through the blinds and you're not really sure if you want to declare the fact that you're actually home until you have a, a little bit of an idea of who's there. But back when I was younger, there was so much excitement. Who could it be? <laughs> and Sebastian Maniscalco, just, it was like I he was in my house when I was a kid because we'd all come running from every corner of the house. Not that our house was that gigantic, but they come from upstairs. We, and we, like we'd ball, be all, okay, I'm going to open the door now. Let's see who it is. <laughs> and he just told the story so well I could relate to it, which guaranteed means a lot of people listening right now can relate to it as as well. I was sitting in my house a couple weeks ago, just relaxing. My doorbell rang. This is weird. It's a different feeling when your doorbell rings today, opposed to... I was sitting in my house a couple weeks ago, just relaxing. My doorbell rang. This is weird. It's a different feeling when your doorbell rings today, opposed to 20 years ago, right? 20 years ago, your doorbell rang? That was a happy moment in your house. It's called company. <laughs> You'd be sitting there on a Thursday night watching TV. Your doorbell rang. The whole family shot off the couch. Oh, my God! <laughs> Put the lights on. Somebody's here. We got people. <laughs> I, the whole family went to the door. The kids were in socks. They slid up to the door. <laughs> Nobody looked to see who it was. Right? You just opened up the door. You were like, oh, my God, look at that. Look at who's here. And you'd ask him, what the hell are you doing here? And the person would be like, I was in the neighborhood. I thought I might stop by, see how the kids are doing. They're like, oh, come on in. We're going to have some cake. <laughs> Your mother had a little Antimans. Maybe some Sara Lee crumble cake. Just in case company came over. She made an announcement when she bought it. She's like, listen, nobody touched this cake. 
This is for company only. Those crap muffins, those are for you people. You better hope to God somebody comes over so we can cut the cake. She put her cake in the middle of the table, proud of it. And she put it right in the middle. Cut yourself a slice. Want a cup of coffee? We're gonna do coffee. Want some Sanka? Yeah, that's old school. A lot of the young kids are looking at me like, what is that, an iPhone app? What the hell is Sanka? Your mother had a tin, brown and orange tin of Sanka, ready to go just in case the company. She put a big pot on the table. Go ahead. Nobody had a cell phone back then. If your, cell, if your, if your, if your house phone did ring, your father stood up and said, nobody get that phone. We got company. <laughs> and you lost track of time. Two hours went by. You were like, we got to get out of here. That's okay. Next time we're going to come by, you'll be like, yeah, my door's always open. <laughs> now your doorbell rings? <laughs> it's like, what the f***? Right, your own mother's crawling across the kitchen floor. Get down my army crawl. Army crawl, get in the closet. Go get the sword in the living room. Somebody get the sword underneath the couch in the living room. There's a sword. Uh, what do you think of that? I sent that to you, what, Wednesday night? Yes. And I've listened to it at least five more times since then. I think it's hilarious. I, I amused myself listening to it while I was doing my dishes. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy's got some great takes. Uh, his presentation style, I'm getting a lot more used to. But when I first saw him a couple of years ago, I was like, a little different. But I really like his observations and just this whole idea of getting excited for, for people to come by. I, I, We all lived that. I'm sure we did. And the cake and the fact that the Sarah Lee or the Entenmann's cake, I don't know what the equivalent would be in Canada, but... We would always have, you know, the dad's cookies, the oatmeal and chocolate chip cookies. Mm -hmm. Those were for company for some strange reason. And my mom would do baking. Those would be for us. The dad's cookies were for a special occasion. It was kind of weird. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was it was a different time. And you, you used to get excited about the pop-in. So we want to know, do you pull the pop-in? Are you a fan of the pop-in either as the pop-inner or as... The, what would you be, the pop-outer? I don't know. <laughs> but the, the, the individual at home or the group at home who's uh, receiving company unannounced, do you, do you like that? And did you ever like it? And has your attitude changed toward it? The pop-in. Are you a fan? 204-780-6868. Would love to hear your feedback. Maybe you have a story about a pop-in that you'd like to share. For example, if you got a pop-in visit and you weren't ready for it, Jeff Courier... <laughs> Earlier, he described an image of himself. I believe the words he used were, if I'm sitting on my couch in my gitch watching a movie, I don't want the pop-in. And he said that specifically to deter the pop-in. Maybe that happened to you. Maybe you're sitting around in a, in a pool of your own filth. 
You know, you got a pizza beside you or something. I don't know. And uh, someone decided to knock on your door. What did you do? 204-780-6868. would love to hear your feedback. That's the number to call. You can also text us at that number. And if you have time to shoot us an email, it's brett at cjob.com and gmac at cjob.com. Your forecast is up next. What are you chortling about? <laughs> we just got a text here from Tim, and I, I think Tim often has his tongue in his cheek, so I can't tell if he's lying or if just making stuff up <laughs> for the sake of getting us to laugh. But if that's the case, Tim, mission accomplished. We're talking about the pop-in. Do you like the pop-in? Do you receive the pop-in? Do you like to do it? I don't. What do you think about the pop-in? And Tim texted us at 204-780-6868. And Bill, we'll get to you. We have Bill on the phone. We'll get to you right away, Bill. Tim says, I popped into a friend's house the other day, and I noticed his front door was slightly ajar. So I figured he was home. I pushed the door open, and his house alarm started going off. So, of course, I looked around, closed his door, and ran. (laughs) (laughs) There's a chance that's a real story from Tim. Yeah. Yeah, I I would give it uh, seven chances out of (laughs) ten. That it's real. Tim, let us know what your friend thought of that when you uh, told him. <laughs> Hopefully you told this friend. Bill is at 204-780-6868. Hey, Bill, what do you think about the pop-in? Oh, I like that. I don't mind when people come over and just drop in. It's fine. And I do the same to friends and family. My <laughs> wife and I one time went to her parents' house, and uh, we were just dropping in unannounced, and we came up the steps, and you could see through the through the uh, dining room window well they were they were uh, <laughs> going at it on the living room couch. <laughs> they so, were otherwise engaged were they bill they were otherwise so we turned around we went back out to the car and we we opened the doors and slammed them harder and stomped our way up the steps <laughs> really <laughs> yeah and then banged on the door and uh yeah, her mother came to the door, hair all disheveled, and father's on the couch. <laughs> you didn't, oh, so you, you, instead of letting them continue their appointment, you 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 still invaded. We still invaded. Yeah, they don't know that we know. We laugh about that every once in a while. <laughs> That's Bravo, amazing, Bill. Bill. Great story, man. <laughs> Bill, thanks a lot. Have a good weekend, okay? You too, bud. Thank you. <laughs> that is gold. Uh, oh, boy. Well, there's something going on with my computer here. Is there? It's binging and bonging yeah, and I, well, doing the, weird stuff. Well, the ding was in the audio recording. Yeah. But uh, the, I, I tried to... That means you're mismanaging at least two computers in this establishment right now. <laughs> sure. Uh, we have a text here from Sarah who says, I am not a fan of the pop-in as it always leads to me awkwardly trying to justify the state my home is in. Now my home is not unlivable or anything like that, but I have three kids and it is far from house and home worthy, mm-hmm. which always makes me uncomfortable. No, that's true. There are some people who are in a station of life where, yeah, if you want your relationship to continue, you daren't pop in on them because the way they present their home... When you go over for dinner on Friday or Saturday night, very different than the way they live Monday through Thursday. Yeah. My mom was like that. Oh, really? Oh, yes. And I would come home, say, on a Thursday from school, and the house would be clean top to bottom. And I could smell lasagna or something in the oven. I'd go, who's coming over for dinner tonight, Ma? <laughs> and I knew. Oh, somebody from work is coming over. And it's just, yeah, you knew. And uh, I can I can appreciate that other side of it, too. 
I love popping in. The getting the pop in at a certain age was a little bit tough, but I think that's just uh, part of the way life is changing. Right? Is that yeah? We we spend a lot of time at home. A lot of our living is done at home, and in the past, a lot of our living was done elsewhere. Home is where you slept and you ate and you showered, mm-hmm. and you went out and did other things, and you went visiting. You did this, that, and the other, and uh, yeah, the pop in it's a it's a dying art, unfortunately. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. What do you think of the pop in? Do you have any pop in stories like Bill, which was an amusing story? Would love to hear your thoughts. I remember when I. When I lived in my house in Saint Vitale uh, with my girlfriend at the time, we would have we would have people pop in occasionally, and I always remember thinking, "Oh," and I I sort of look at that with kind of like I've always felt bad about it because the intentions were always so good and from good people, and if you happen to be listening right now, you know who you are, and I'm really sorry that I'm <laughs> such a jerk, but. Uh, I, I just, I think maybe it's because, maybe it's because we now have the ability to so easily communicate. Like if you're driving through some neighborhood circa 20, 30 years ago, you wouldn't be able to contact somebody ahead of time unless you pulled over and found a payphone somewhere. But now it's so easy to let someone know, Hey, I'm in the neighborhood. Can I come over? All right. Whether it's a text message or you pull over and you... You make a quick phone call, which is what I'll do if I'm in the neighborhood. It's so much more romantic, though, right? The notion of, yeah, you know, I was driving down Corridon, and I realized I'm in your neighborhood. You're right down the street. I don't get to this part of town very often. I'm so glad you're home. Come on in, have a beer, whatever, right? And that is just, you're right, it's gone because we have that ability to to call ahead from just about anywhere and it's and it's too bad cuz out of that clip that we played the best thing was about the house phone when the house phone rang and you had company we were forbidden from answering the <laughs> phone we have company we'll continue the conversation after global news at 1:30 the phone number 204-780-6868 if you have any stories about the pop in what do you think about the pop in do you like it? Are you someone who practices the pop-in? Do you like it when you receive the pop-in visit? 204-780-6868. Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB. Now your doorbell rings? It's like, what the f***? It's true. A lot of people not a fan of the pop-in. And it's not a pop-up for the younger generation. That's something that... <laughs> shows up on your computer and and angers you, or a Pop-Tart. We're talking about the pop-in visit, something that used to be a common part of modern-day culture. We've heard at least one hilarious story about how pop-ins can go awry. Ray is joining us at 780-6868. We invite you to do the same. Lots of text messages to get to. Ray, we appreciate you taking the time to talk with Mackling and McGarry. How are things today? Good, good. I was just going to mention that uh, the pop-in can be very embarrassing for both parties. As a business owner in cottage country, uh, once in a while you have to go hand a bill and collect. And this one customer of mine, I had gone to the door and he was reluctant to open the door all the way. And when he did... I noticed that uh, 
the woman standing behind him was not his wife. Oh, my. Yes. <laughs> it made things really, really uncomfortable. But he paid, he paid his bill, and I left as fast as I could. <laughs> Did he happen to pay the bill and then a little bit more, Ray, if you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I wish he would have. <laughs> you would have been less reluctant to share the story on the radio then. <laughs> yeah, I didn't breathe a word of it. You're a good man, <laughs> Ray. <laughs> hey, we so appreciate that's, it. That's all I have. Yeah. Yeah. Good story. Right. I know you got to get back to work, so we'll let you do that. I know yeah. a lot of you sneak in uh, calls when you can, and we appreciate it very yeah. much. Did you remember? Did you uh, still not working there, eh, Brett? No. I'll, I'll work the phones here. Um, did you ever have a paper route? I Winnipeg did. Free Press. Yeah, for uh, one summer. Did you have to collect the money? Yep. The worst was collecting. <laughs> yeah, because people would be grumpy. Oh my gosh, two ten. 210. How much is it? Same as two weeks ago, Mrs. Fleischman. It's 210. <laughs> oh, I think I've got I think I've got it. And they go and it'll be a big production. And <laughs> well, I haven't got the money. Could you come back later? And it's like, it's two dollars and ten cents, seriously. <laughs> but that was the ultimate pop-in, right? Because you're popping by unannounced and you're asking for money. Yep. Right? That's true. And then the worst was when people would get behind and then they would, like Ray was just pointing out, they would try and avoid you somewhat. And he knew they were home and all this over $6.30. Yeah. I realized back in the 80s, that was a little bit more money than it is now, but it was the principle of the thing. I was 12. I need my money. Yeah. You're working. <laughs> you're, you're not doing it for nothing. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. Uh, Kristen sent us a text about popping in. I grew up outside the city. We didn't get pop-ins. If someone showed up at our door, either they had a broken down car or a boat out of gas. <laughs> so we always answered the door. When I first moved into the city, I made the mistake of answering the door to a random salesman. I am the most socially awkward of people. I had no idea how to escape and ended up trapped listening to his pitch for 30 minutes. I could only break away when my bird started screaming like a person was being murdered. Not, you're lucky. Now I just huddle down in the dark with my dog and hope they go away. <laughs> oh, I've done that. Oh, I've done that. Just completely pretended you're not home making sure. And then you spot that one light that would be a clear indication that you were in fact home. Oh, I've been there. That's a that's a that's a great, great text message at seven eight zero six eight six eight. We've got Dave on the line now. Dave. Just popping in to chit-chat with Mackling and McGarry. What's your story on the pop-in, Dave? You mentioned paper route, and that jogs something in my memory. I had a paper route when I was in my teens, and one of my customers, uh, it was a house with two elderly ladies, and they needed someone to take their garbage out every Tuesday. So I got in the habit of just coming in and taking the garbage out, and one of those Tuesdays that I walked in, now these ladies are in their 80s, uh, the one lady was in the living room with no pants on, completely bent over, trying to pick something up off the floor. And I was about 15 years old, and I didn't really know what to do. So I cleared my throat, gave her her paper, and took her garbage out. And then she said, how old are you? I said, 15. She said, ah, you've probably seen plenty of backsides of women in your life. It's no big deal. I was 15. 
So apparently she thought I got around a little bit more than I did. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, awkward nudity seems to be the the theme of this afternoon's pop-in program, Dave. So I think people pop in just to see if they can actually happen upon random nudity. It's probably a game to see how many people you can catch in the act just by going on the random pop-in. I like it, Dave. Thanks, partner. You have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Uh, and the, of course, I asked you what you were doing this weekend. I said, uh, maybe you might go for a drive. Yes. That was another thing you used to do that you probably don't do as much now. What are you doing? Oh, we're just going for a drive. Yeah, that's true. Right? Just go for a drive around just to see what's new in the neighborhood or maybe go to a different part of the city that you didn't always go to. Go up to Skinner's or to Half Moon for ice cream or a dog. Yeah, just going for a drive. Yeah. yeah I don't hear people say What'd you do last night? I just went for a drive. Well, maybe just just go for a drive without a destination. Maybe it's because people don't want to waste gas. Although I see today coming in today was eighty nine four. Very nice. So I think I might have to drive to the gas station when I'm done work. Let's go to Dave K at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. An episode of These Are the Daves I Know. Good afternoon, Dave. Hey, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you doing? What's your pop in story? You you pro or anti pop in? You know, until about three months ago, I was absolutely pro. I never had an issue with it at all, but I got a little story for you. Uh, I've got some friends in Brandon, two sons, 10, 12. And uh, I was downstairs, using the downstairs, washing the rec room washroom after uh, the night before doing Mexican and beer. And came up to find them at the front door. My wife was in the shower in the upstairs bathroom. They came in and uh, my friend's wife said, uh, basically... We've been on the road for over two hours. I need to use your washroom now. And I said, oh, yeah, use the record one. Thumbs in the shower. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she was uh, on her way down, and I thought, oh, my God, no, I don't no. want her in that bathroom right now. <laughs> so I went down to warn her. Too late, of course. Well, while I was down there warning her, my wife came out of the upstairs shower <laughs> with the two boys standing right outside, and uh, she didn't even have the towel. So, uh, oh, my. Yeah. Oh I'm now a con to the. I'm now a, a con uh, for the pop in. <laughs> you know, a quick text or phone call when you're ten minutes away would be appreciated. Dave, thank you very much. It's a great story. I uh, no. I appreciate the uh, pop in story. That's uh, all right. Do you have a good- take care, Dave. Dave is a recent convert from pro pop in to anti pop in. We got an email here from. Uh, I'm just going to say. RST Mars. No, oh, it's Rob there. That's right at the end. Read to the end, Brett. It says Rob. Rob says, in my day, it was called the drop-in. Somebody must have changed it somewhere along the way. I think, I think it was Seinfeld. Seinfeld, Seinfeld yep. changed it. But yeah, drop-in, drop-by. You want to just kind of drop over. Is it okay if I drop-by? Yeah, that, that works too. That's why they call them drop-in centers, I think. So perfectly acceptable. The drop-in, the pop-in. Wayne, what do you think of the, the pop-in slash drop-in? Uh, well, I do have a funny story with uh, it was my wife's uh, sister. She popped in to, um, to show us a new car. And one of the things that happened that day before coming is that she had uh, a heart monitor put on just to see what, whatever she had going on there. And so she rang the doorbell. Nobody answered, so she decided to open the door anyways. And the alarm went off. So she went inside the house and didn't know what to do. And, of course, the alarm company's phoning, and she's standing in her kitchen not knowing what to do. And then finally, when she could phone, she phoned her, her daughter and says, I'm stuck. I'm stuck in Wayne in Norma's kitchen. How do I get out? <laughs> so that was a, it's kind of a funny story there. <laughs> the inadvertent break-in versus the pop-in. You're, you're now a wanted criminal, Wayne. 
That, that's that's right, Jack. <laughs> so it was it was quite uh, quite funny. Thanks, Wayne. We appreciate that very much. And of course, it wasn't Wayne; it was somebody else that popped over to his house. And the alarm went off, so that's good. I like that. Ken is at 204-780-6868. Hey, Ken, what's your, what's your pop-in story? Hey, well, a few years back when me and my girl were just starting to go out, I was expecting her to come over, so I was going to surprise her and greet her at the door in the bus. So there was a knock at the door. I opened up the door, and here's a salesperson from sale, a sales lady from Shaw wanting to sell me cable. Oh, no. Turns out you had your own roll of cable, though, ready to go. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Ken, I think I'll have to leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, did you switch to Shaw, Ken? Uh, actually, I think at the time I was already with Shaw. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's a little unfortunate timing for Ken. I, I actually um, was part of the audit team for Shaw for a very short period of time, so... During the day, they had the filters on the line, to, which would restrict which channels you could get. Oh. And then, of course, uh, Shaw got competition in the cable world. And so you go knock on the door and find out if they were, in fact, using Shaw. No, no, we've switched to that other company. Or, uh, yeah, they haven't been getting a bill, right? Mm. Well, we can either disconnect it for you now or we can just sign you up. And so going door to door, you saw some interesting stuff. But when I was younger, as you know, I used to be a milkman when I was in university and, and before. And I used to have some customers who would leave their houses unlocked and would actually pop in the back door and put their milk in their fridge for them. Really? Yes. It was really weird. That is trusting. Every single time I went in, I had a there was a combination of feelings. I was a little bit of trepidation, but also maybe hopeful that Something unusual or unpredictable <laughs> might happen. Uh, no unusual or unpredictable things ever happened. Oh, but, really? Yeah, but the anticipation sometimes was good enough. There were no sort of adolescent uh, no. fantasies that got no. fulfilled? No, no, no pizza delivery guy fantasies uh, <laughs> playing out there. But uh, guy can guy can hope, right? <laughs> yeah. Right, right. For sure. Anyway. 146. If we're going to continue with your pop-in stories, your drop-in stories at 204-780-6868, we'd love to hear more of your stories about pop-ins maybe gone wrong or just your general thoughts on dropping by unannounced. Do you like it? Do you hate it? What are your thoughts? 204-780-6868. My email address is brett at cjob.com. His is gmac at cjob.com. Your forecast is coming up next. Coming up to 150 on this Friday afternoon. Happy weekend. Talking about pop-ins, drop-ins. What do you think of popping in? Are you a fan of it? And we have heard a number of interesting stories, and we'll turn to Mike at 204-780-6868 to see right. what your story is. Hey, Mike, what's up? Uh, this happened quite a while ago. Uh, regarding my brother, he passed away. But anyways, we used to run a restaurant together, and we shared a room in the hotel. So one day, my brother says to me, he says, can you go downstairs and get my shoes for me? So I went down to the restaurant, and I got his shoes, and I come back up, and he didn't lock the door. I opened the door, and here's my brother on top of his girlfriend. <laughs> well, I was only like 16 years old at the time. 
Anyways, he says, what the heck do you think you're doing? I said, well, I'm doing what you told me to do. I brought you your shoes. Meanwhile, his girlfriend is underneath screaming away, shut the door, shut the door. (laughs) (laughs) That's great, Mike. Great call, Mike. Thank you. Appreciate it. I have a hilarious story. It might be very similar to Mike's. About my mom popping in on my wife and me with a gift for our first anniversary. But since my mom might be listening to CJOB, there's no way I can share the story. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Okay. Gordo says pop-ins at the lake are expected and welcomed. It's what we all do. Different story in the city. If my wife is not dressed and all made up, she will not answer the door. Worse than the pop-in is the short notice visit. She will come home and announce that people are coming over in three hours. The household must stop what it's doing and in a mad freak panic, immediately clean everything from top to bottom, just in case the guest happens to look in the third drawer of the dresser (laughs) in the spare bedroom in the basement. Not a fan, says Gordo. Thank you, Gordo. Appreciate that. I recall actually just a few weeks ago, I had a friend come over. I don't want to say unannounced, but he had, it was actually funny. He had invited me out. Because he was down the street. He said, hey, I'm down the, well, I can't remember what bar he was at, Bar Italia or something. And uh, I said, sure, I'll, I'll come, I'll walk over. And, uh, and then he says, actually, you know, we're leaving. I'll come over there if you want. <laughs> so I know he's not even 10 minutes away. My apartment's a disaster because I haven't had, the only time I clean it, and I'm ashamed to say this, but the only time I clean it is when I have people over. So I had to do a quick tidy up, a quick uh, clean the bathroom. It really is sort of this mad freak. I can completely relate to that because you have to stop what you're doing and make it presentable for your guests. Without question. Uh, where's Faye? Faye said, we had our house up for sale and generally our agent was really on top of letting us know when someone was coming by to see it. Well, she missed one. And on a day when my three charming children had been home making memories all day, the lovely couple and their agent were not at all amused at me appearing at the door with soaking wet hair and a towel, having just gotten out of the shower. Why do we always end up in a towel at the door. <laughs> Needless to say, they did not buy our house, and I was more than slightly mortified. In general, close friends and family are fine, but with kids under 15 in the home, please make an appointment unless we're BFFs. On that subject of kids, we were we were talking about we talked about the pop-in slash drop-in, dropping by. What about calling on? I I know we discussed this earlier with Jeff, but if you're just tuning in, I'm curious to know, do your kids get other kids showing up at the door? I, If I wanted to go see one of my buddies, I would just get on my BMX bike and ride a few blocks down the road and knock on his door. That's right. That's what we all did, right? We just went and knocked on the door and if... Your friends weren't home. You went to the next door or the mom or dad might say, you know, it's just, you know, he'll be back in a few minutes. And you sit down and have a visit. This seems to be maybe a cultural and ge- geographical thing as well, Brett. We've had two 
different text messages that say, uh, I love pop-ins back in the 80s in the Maritimes. That is what everyone did. One time I had 15 for dinner who had just popped in. The nice thing is there are no expectations. It was part of our hospitality. That from Josie. And then we had another one here that's disappeared. I've got it. It's actually immediately after Josie's text. There it's it is. From, hey, CJOB. This is from Brian. We lived in Moncton from 1989 to 1996. Pop in in the Maritimes. Standard by very, by far, very relaxed people. Us Westerners are too, too formal. I loved the drop in for coffee culture. So thank you very much to the Maritimers. I, I, when I worked in uh, the call center for an airline, I loved. I was always excited when I got a phone call from an area code 506 or 902 or uh, was it was Newfoundland? Is it 706? Uh, you I, got me on I, that I, one. I, I used remember. to be good at the area codes. I don't know them off the top of my head, but uh, they were your favorite customers, right? They were always super happy. 709 area code. They were always the happiest folks because they they were just so relaxed. It didn't matter if I had to book them on up. A puddle hopper flight with five connections. <laughs> this one lady said, I'll just find the bar. <laughs> <laughs> that was my very crude uh, depiction of her, of what she sounded like. But it was, it's not that far. No, you know what? Uh, there are different cultures that do things a lot differently than we do. Uh, my mom was born and raised in uh, Montreal, well, at least till her teen years. And then my aunt moved here. Oh, gosh, I guess in 1976, and most of her kids were were on the verge of being grown, and she couldn't get over the thing that we do here in Manitoba where you have the sign, please use the side door or please use the back door. Mm -hmm. In Montreal, she said that would have been unimaginable that you would invite your guests to come into your kitchen, basically to come in the side or the back door. The front door is for guests. Okay. Yeah, so she was very offended by this piece of Manitoba culture of, of using a, a different door other than the main entrance to to receive guests. Offended. Offended, wow. yeah. Oh, interesting. Yep, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, hey, listen, thank you so much for all of your feedback and your text messages and emails and your phone calls on pop-ins. Uh, turned out to hear a whole bunch of great stories. So thank you very much for that. And we still have, we will call out a name, at 210-ish, uh, our final name for the week for the U2 contest. So stick around for that. Global News coming up next. Greg Mackling and Brett McGarry with you on this Friday afternoon. We're having a, a little bit of a laugh with our next guest. Susanna Scott is in studio with us. And Susanna and I did a talk to the experts. I guess it was last weekend, right, Susanna? We were talking about the disability tax credit. And uh, we're talking about something very serious this afternoon. We're going to talk about colorectal cancer and and how it can be prevented and, and what we need to do to be aware of it. But we were having a chuckle because you're telling us a story about your just on the on the phone in the, the nineteen uh, in the nineteen in the two thousand seventeen way, you're on the phone with your with your dad who's in his in his eighties. You were skyping with him. Good for him. Good to go ahead. You can talk. It's all good. It's all yeah, good. Yeah, my my father he discovered um, you know electronics in terms of skyping and emails. So now he just bombards us all with skypes, <laughs> emails, you name it. Now you, you know he's listening right now. Oh, he's, yes, he's listening. Yes. We'll say hi to Tony and Adelia. <laughs> 
because they're <laughs> yeah. listening at 680 CJOB. And hey, good for Tony. I, I still have never Skyped with anyone. You're I've, Skypeless? I have to never this had point? a video chat. Interesting. So he's further along than I am, so good oh, for him. Yeah. You need to get on that. And <laughs> one another thing that we probably need to get on with and, and get on is uh, awareness of colorectal cancer. And Susanna, um, this took your husband's life. Yes. You yes. want to share our, your story with us as, as mm-hmm. comfortably as you can? Sure, sure. Uh, very briefly, um, uh, my husband wasn't feeling well, abdominal pain and all that sort of situation. Uh, you know, we went through the regular, you know, routine with, with doctor appointments. And then um, shortly after, we, we got the news that he had colon cancer. And so that was a journey. And um, it's it's... You know, there's no words really to describe, you know, the shock and and then, of course, the realities of having to tangibly now, you know, deal with doctors, uh, treatments and and so forth. So it was quite the journey. But however, uh, through the process, uh, when my husband was battling the disease, he battled it for a few years. So he, um, he, he did a combination of regular treatments conventional treatments, if you will, but he also incorporated a lot of alternative treatments. So he lived quite long. <clears throat> However, as we moved forward, we we made a lot of connections um, and networked with um, support groups. And one of the main ones that uh, we were very appreciative of was the National Colorectal Cancer Association of Canada. Um, the people there are stellar, and uh, we appreciated all that they were able to to uh, provide and support. Well, Barry Stein is on the phone with us. He is the president of the Colorectal Cancer Association of Canada, and March is Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. And uh, Barry, thank you for taking some time with us and, and your journey and your battle with colorectal cancer. Uh, fortunately for you, was uh, more successful than, than Susanna's husband. Uh, talk about your battle. And once again, thank you for what you do and taking time with us to share your story today. Well, uh, thanks for having me on, uh, Greg and Brett, and uh, and nice to speak to you again uh, virtually, Susanna, mm-hmm. and uh, glad to hear that you're doing well. So I'm happy to tell you uh, a little bit about my story, which goes back really to uh, 1995 when I was diagnosed. And really, at that time, there was very little to offer uh, in the country. And really, uh, that was in terms of treatment, in terms of surgery, and particularly in terms of people to um, obtain information from. So I I did start to look around uh, all over the world because I was told that I had metastatic disease. In other words, that the disease had gone from my colon uh, to my liver and actually subsequently to my lungs. So I wasn't really given uh, a tremendous amount of hope, uh, a lot of pats on my shoulders, I must say, at the time and uh, told to get my affairs in order. So I, I really, really started to look uh, all over the world to see what type of new treatments were starting to avail. And as it happens, at, towards the end of 1995, 1996, we really started to see a, a breakthrough in some of the treatments. Um, in my particular case, I had to leave the country uh, for treatment, uh, not because in part, it wasn't available here, but it wasn't available in a timely manner. That was one part of it. And some of the treatments that I actually wanted to access were unavailable and actually deemed experimental in Canada, although they really weren't at the time. So uh, to make a, a, a long story a little bit shorter, uh, I did uh, go to the United States and had uh, in New York uh, 
four hepatic, in, in other words, liver surgeries. I had a pump implanted in my abdomen to give chemo to my liver. And at that time, that was pretty novel. Nobody was really doing that in Canada at all. And I followed up with some chemotherapy back at home. And after a while, I actually had no evidence of disease in my uh, liver. My colon had already been operated on here in Montreal. And uh, subsequently, felt pretty alone. What do I do now? I have no evidence of disease. So I found out about a trial, a vaccine trial out in California from my physician in the United States. And uh, it turns out that his wife had appendix cancer. So we both went out there together and I started to do this vaccine for the better part of a year uh, out in Santa Monica, which wasn't too bad. And we had CBC and Radio Canada coming out with us. It was kind of exciting at that point. Uh, and, um, unfortunately, uh, within the year, the disease had spread to my lungs. And what I did was back home, I had three lung surgeries and I removed the rib and, uh, followed up with, um, some oral chemotherapy at that time. And since that time, now over 10 years, fortunately, I've had no evidence of disease. So why is my case different from, uh, Susanna's husband or anybody else's from that matter? Well, at that time, we thought really of treating, and we still really treat colon cancer as only one disease, but obviously different, there are different outcomes. So we know that there are actually different types of genetic profiles, and people's cancer behave differently, and people behave differently and genetic, uh, due to their uh, different genetic makeup. So the new treatments that came along in chemotherapy really helped to prolong people's lives, Surgical, new surgical options came around, which were quite interesting, and people were becoming more aggressive with the surgery. New diagnostic techniques in terms of MRIs and PET scans and so forth were utilized. And all this combination of other things, for example, radiofrequency ablation, and then the new targeted therapies came along, and this really started to have an impact. Now, it's not, we're not at that stage where we can say that everybody who has advanced disease is going to have a cure. Far from it. However, we've made great strides and more coming in the area of immunotherapy. So just to recap, today we have a buffet of products and things that people could do in order to combat the disease. And Cancer Care Manitoba is really in the forefront. There's a lot of great research being done right in Winnipeg. And a lot of the most effective treatments are available there. Not everything, but many, most of them. Uh, and, but unfortunately, still today, we have over 26,000 people being diagnosed across the country uh, with the disease, over 9,300 people uh, who die from the disease. Right in Winnipeg, uh, sorry, right in Manitoba, we have about uh, approximately 900, but 1,000 people every year diagnosed with the disease and about 350, unfortunately, who will succumb to it. Barry, we're going to we're going to press pause right there because we have to take a break. We have to update the weather. We also have one other thing that we need to do, and maybe we can do that other thing we need to do after weather, Jeff Forche. That other thing we need to do at two ten every day during the week after weather. And when we come back, Barry was starting to talk about uh, the different statistics. We're going to talk about the statistics, why they're so so tragic, and how preventable 
How do we get ahead of colorectal cancer? March is Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month in Canada. Barry Stein, president of the Colorectal Cancer Association of Canada, and Susanna Scott joins us now. Her husband suffered with colorectal cancer and is no longer with us, but Susanna continues to 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 share his story, and she's doing so with us this afternoon. He's Brett. I'm Greg. Susanna Scott is in studio with us. Barry Stein, president of the Colorectal Cancer Association of Canada is with us, and Barry was telling us his story, his victory over uh, cancer. And Susanna, you were sharing your husband's battle with this disease. And and Barry, thank you for sharing your story, but thank you for creating this forum, this community for those who are dealing with this, the families uh, dealing with colorectal cancer, and those of us that are trying to prevent it. Because as you mentioned, these sort of opportunities didn't exist when you got your diagnosis in 1995, you were somewhat on your own in terms of knowing where to go, what to do, what your options were. Fair to say? Oh, that's absolutely true. And and one of the things I have to point out, and when I met Susanna and her husband, and you know how generous they were with their time, in, in fact, in instructing us what their needs were and what the problems were uh, that they were facing and so forth, um, and going out to speak about the disease, this really helps to make a difference. So we do our awareness campaigns with, for example, our campaign called EndangeredButts.ca, uh, and add a bit of humor and some fun to it at the same time to make people aware of what the signs and the symptoms of the disease are so that we can make a difference. So really, we are all, everybody who and so many of us have been diagnosed with colon cancer or have a family member or a friend who has been, uh, because it is the second biggest cancer killer in the country for when you look at men and women combined, so many people are touched. So the more that people get to know about the disease, the signs, the symptoms of it, how it can pre- be prevented, and, uh, and to take advantage of, for example, right in, in Manitoba, the screening program that starts for people at the age of 50. But also to be aware that many people in this country under the age of 50, about 1,500 every year, young people are diagnosed with colorectal cancer, most unusual. And this group of people is accelerating at a faster rate than actually the people over 50 who are being screened. So we don't know exactly what's going on, but we know that there are certain things that we can do to prevent it as well. Barry, is, it, is colorectal cancer a man's disease? It is actually almost as prevalent in women as it is with men. So it is absolutely, it's not a man's disease. It can affect everybody and anybody. And when we say that, we mean young and old. And unfortunately, when younger people are diagnosed with it, it's often a genetic reason. And the, the disease may be more aggressive. Or even if it's not more aggressive, it's confused with other things. So it's not detected until the disease has really gone to a, you know, a much more advanced stage. Susanna, you, oh, sorry, sorry, Barry, I I just want to get in as much as we can here, not to shift gears, but probably along the same lines. You mentioned uh, signs and symptoms, and I think it's important that we talk about those. Susanna sort of touched on her husband's signs and symptoms, but in an overall sense, what what can we be looking for and and what should be alerting us to to maybe uh, ask our doctor more questions? So I think the, the you know we have to look at what are the risk factors first of all, and one of the biggest risk factors is just getting older. Uh, so that's the good news and the bad news at the same time. So the disease is much more prevalent starting at the age of 50 years old, 
And uh, just if you're an average person, no family history, we say of average risk, you want to get screened with the simple uh, occult blood test that's used in Manitoba. And if it's positive, to go on to a colonoscopy. So that's a, a fantastic way of preventing the disease. Another factor is if you have a genetic disposition to it, a predisposition to it, such as Lynch syndrome, um, and or you have a first-degree family relative, uh, mother or father, who has been diagnosed with the disease, particularly under the age of 50, you want to make sure you're checked at least 10 years earlier, and you'll be checked with a colonoscopy in that case because you're at an elevated risk. You're at a higher risk than the average person. So I just want to point out, when we start this whole exercise, we're not looking to have signs and symptoms. If you have a sign and symptoms, we want to diagnose what those are. And it could be other things other than colon cancer, but it can be colon cancer too. But we want to catch people at 50 years old, just because they turn 50 years old, men and women, 50 to 74, get screened with a simple occult blood test. And it's free with the screening program in Manitoba and positives go on to, positive tests go on to receiving a colonoscopy. So all lots of fun. And getting a colonoscopy is nothing to worry about. By the way, those drugs are the best that you'll ever have. (laughs) I want to tell you. Anybody that's worried about a colonoscopy, look forward to the drugs that you're going to get. You'll never be so relaxed. You won't feel a thing. So... This, uh, what, what things can you do to prevent colon cancer at any age, starting at a young age, is to be active and exercise daily, 20 minutes a day. Eat, have healthy lifestyles, so obviously no smoking, cutting down on the drinking, eating more grains and fiber and cutting down on the red meat. These are the type of things, these healthy lifestyles that you want to do that can prevent it at all ages, starting at a young age. So if you're at a elevated, if you're heavy, let's say you're, you have a, a, you're obese, let's, take the, let's exaggerate this. The, if you are obese, you're at a higher risk, you're not just for colon cancer, you're at a higher risk for, uh, for other diseases as well. So you want to obviously uh, lose weight, stop smoking, drink less alcohol, and, uh, and, and eat better and exercise. So these are common sense factors that actually have been proven by the World Cancer Research Fund to and the American Cancer Society as well as in Canada to demonstrate, uh, they demonstrate clearly that you lower your risk of getting colon cancer specifically by doing that. Susanna, we just have a minute here. The time goes by way too quickly, but your tale and, and what do you tell people Based on your experience, why is it that you so freely share your experience and what is your message to, to our listeners today? Well, well, the message is awareness. Um, uh, it was unfortunate in my situation with my husband, with Jim. He, uh, he had all the symptoms uh, w- over a year and he was 46. And it goes in line with what Barry was talking about. Uh, 50 years old, it's standard. You should go get a colonoscopy and all that, all those standard procedures in terms of health prevention within our care system. But um, my husband wasn't in that 50-year range. He was 46 years old, and he had all those symptoms. And it took the doctor well over a year, about a year and a half, to finally get a diagnosis. And uh, they didn't believe him. They, they, they did all these other tests for whatever reason. Nothing ever showed. And finally, finally, a year and a half later, the colonoscopy, they found the big mass. He was almost stage four. So uh, it could have been very preventable. However, um, so my trick is to have people understand that there's a paradox to this. It is, is, it's an awful disease. Cancer is awful, period, no matter what kind of cancer. 
But there's also measures and ways to to be aware to help circumvent, um, you know, uh, the prevention measures. Susanna Scott, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you for coming in to tell us your story about your husband who suffered with colorectal cancer. And Barry Stein, president of Colorectal Cancer Association Canada. It is National Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. It is coming up to 2.30. We'll have global news at the bottom of the hour on 680 CJOB. Well, I don't know. Are we allowed to read stuff off CNN, off the television? Because we don't want to be accused of proliferating quote-unquote, fake news. Okay. But the breaking news on CNN right now is that Speaker Ryan has gone to see Donald Trump and he has informed him that they will not win the vote on health care, which starts, I think, uh, in the next few minutes here on Capitol Hill. So the repeal and replace the... Repeal has taken place, but the replacement legislation for Obamacare will not pass According to the, um, to, um, what's, what's Ryan? Paul Ryan? Paul, thank you. Well, no, I want to say John Ryan because he's a punter for the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks. He used to play for the Blue Bombers. <laughs> Senator Paul Ryan, uh, the Speaker of the House from Wisconsin. I know all that, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, you'll want to be keeping an eye on, uh, on your news feeds for that. We'll keep you up to date as well. Well, g- given that you were having a bit of a hard time remembering his name, maybe you need to do one of five exercises you know that can what? train your brain for yeah. happiness and success. I- I'm just going to sit and listen. <laughs> <laughs> it's an honest mistake, man. And uh, Dr. Cyrus Dirksen is here. He is mm-hmm. uh, with Dr. Cyrus Dirksen and Associates, the psychologist, the website, drcyrus.com. Welcome, Dr. Cyrus. It's always good to be here. It's good to be back. Getting our brains in shape with a little bit of mental strength training. What are we mm-hmm. talking about here? How to be happy. How to be happy. I mean, we want to be happy. We want to feel good. And the way that we live our lives affects that. Um, and uh, it's hard to believe, I know. Some people don't believe that, but it's true. If you do different things, you will have different results. And... Um, but it's good to know what works. So, so we're not talking when we talk about doing exercises. In this case, there are exercises for your brain. But in this context, we're not talking about like a a game of samurai sudoku. We're talking about different sort of problem solving. That's right. We're talking about emotional exercises, emotional well being, emotional strength and flexibility, and cardio and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, what do you do? And it's a it's a good question. Well, the first one here, and there's an article that you can actually, we, well, I can send you the link if you want to see it for yourself on Psychology Today. Five exercises that train your brain for happiness and success. And the first one is differentiate between ruminating and problem solving. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what the difference is there? Well, ruminating is uh, kind of, it's a term maybe maybe people are familiar with. I think it comes from cattle, uh, you know, chewing the cud. <laughs> I mean, somebody out there will know. I don't know. I think it. I think it means that you know, you the, <laughs> the cow kind of vomits into their mouth. I think and chews their their the grass again for a second time and and then uh, swallows it again. What do they? They have four stomachs or something like this. None of this is verified. I'm just uh, I'm just <laughs> saying things. You're theorizing. Now. Theorizing. Well, yes. I, I looked it up, and one of the definitions of ruminate is. To chew the cud. Chew the cud. So you're onto something there. I think I think that's what it is. Anyway, 
Um, I think it's a very nice picture of what ruminating is. Uh, it's not pretty, but it's uh, accurate, I think, because ruminating when you're when a person is doing that is uh, when they are bringing up things that um, maybe haven't been completely digested and uh, thinking about it again and thinking about it again and thinking about it again. And unlike chewing the cud, it's not very helpful. And uh, it just usually creates distress um, and uh, because your brain is trying to uh, trying to potentially understand something um, that and it's not really being successful. And I think when you're talking about ruminating versus problem solving, I think I mean I what I think is the brain is actually for both is trying to actually problem solve, uh, but for ruminating it's just not working and you're not getting anywhere. So I think uh, when we talk about problem solving in this context, we're talking about when you're actually making progress, when uh, when there's more uh, potential. And um, one of the ways to stop ruminating is usually to uh, start saying it out loud to somebody. Uh, things are l- more difficult to problem solve in your head. And ruminating means you're having more difficulty. So best best way to do that is generally to talk about it. But if you're if you're problem solving in your head, if you're thinking about stuff and you're making progress, even if it's taking a long time, that's that's helpful. That's a good thing. And talking it out loud doesn't mean talking it out loud with five different people in the course of a day and not talking about solutions, right? That's still ruminating that in is, my yes. opinion, I mean, right? There, there are people who are able to ruminate out loud and continue <laughs> to do so. You are right. Oftentimes talking about it out loud is a way that people can kind of take a step from ruminating to not ruminating. But if uh, there are times when people ruminate with multiple people and they continue to do so and um, it, it can be difficult to stop. And, uh, you know, in that case, maybe talking to a professional might be a little more helpful than talking to a friend. Uh, but still the advice stands and that talking aloud is generally better than just kind of going over it in your head. So if you're, if you are stuck in this sort of cycle of ruminating, is it, uh, how can we get ourselves off of that? Uh, you, you suggested talking would, would trying to direct our focus elsewhere, like just get up and do the dishes or something, like something to distract your mind from that kind of unproductive behavior? I think it depends a little bit. I think that um, sometimes anything is better than ruminating. Uh, I think that uh, one of the traits of ruminating can often be uh, thinking about something but not really thinking about it. So um, what people will do is they're anxious about something uh, and I will say to them, well, maybe we should, you need to think about it more. And they'll say, Cyrus, I, I think about it all the time. Uh, how could I think about this more? And then I say, well, you're probably not really thinking about it. You're probably approaching it and then getting scared, feeling anxious, and then thinking about something similar but different, approaching it, getting scared, and then distracting yourself by thinking about another bad thing in your life, approaching it and getting scared, and never really actually taking 20 minutes to think about one thing all the way through. So it's like you sit there and you're, you're thinking, whoa, my goodness, what if the stove is on? What's the stove's on? What if the stove's on? Oh, boy, you know what? Our shingles are going to fall off. You know, and you, on the way you go or, or whatever your thoughts are. And then, but if I, if you were, came into a session or you, we were talking about, well, what if the stove, you know, what if the stove was on? What would happen? Well, maybe there'd be a fire. Well, let's think about that. What would happen next? And then you actually think about that completely. You actually problem solve it and face the negative consequences if there are some. So there's a difference between thinking about something in depth 
and ruminating, which ruminating is usually that not useful, just kind of approaching and avoiding, approaching and avoiding different scary things and never really getting anywhere with any of them. So we talk about, and you've mentioned this, and I know Carolyn's mentioned it before, Brett, give yourself the same advice you'd give a trusted friend. It's tough to give yourself advice sometimes. Talking out loud, uh, I agree with you. When you vocalize an issue, it makes it real, gives you permission if it doesn't give you the kickstart mm-hmm. required to solve the problem. How do you give yourself advice? What's the most effective way to do that? Well, I mean, this this is one of those things. I, so many of these brain exercises, they um, they seem, they are, they often are simple, and they don't seem effective for that reason. It's like, well, that's so simple. You know, just give yourself advice. But just because it's simple, just because it's uncomplicated doesn't mean it's not effective if you actually sit down and do it. Uh, so, I mean, the actual exercise of giving yourself advice is a way of uh, what we might call kind of dissociating or thinking about your thinking or uh, something like that, which is basically what therapy is, is you sit down and you think about your thinking with somebody. And uh, it's a very, it's a way of changing how you think. And so... This is just one way to do that. You kind of sit down. I mean, you can get as creative as you want. You can imagine yourself sitting in the chair opposite you. And uh, actually, what would you say if you weren't yourself, if you didn't have the emotional blockages that you maybe know you have, what would the advice be if you were free to kind of move and do things differently? And um, it's just a way to think about your thinking in a way that... um, kind of maybe is helpful and but it's not complicated it's just helpful so should we be trying to be like Stuart Smalley from Saturday Night Live because I'm good enough I'm smart enough and doggone it people like me remember that Positive affirmation, right? The now senator from Minnesota, Al Franken. It's ironic to imagine that Al Franken's name could come into the conversation. And just an update from Washington real quick here. Uh, This has not been substantiated, but a report says that the Republicans and uh, Senator Paul Ryan delivered this news. Not a senator, by the way. What is he? Just a, he's the speaker. Yeah, but he is senator from Wisconsin. But is he's he? a spe- yeah, he's speaker of the House. Uh, he visited with uh, Donald Trump to say, hey, we're not going to have the votes for the replacement for Obamacare. Uh, the report says Trump has asked them to pull the bill without a vote. Paul Ryan now going to be speaking at 3 o'clock our time where it could be that he announces that the vote will, in fact, not take place. I'm trying to keep you up to date here. It is 2.44. We'll continue our conversation with uh, Dr. Cyrus. Five exercises that train your brain for happiness and success. Your forecast up next. 2.49 on this Friday afternoon, Dr. Cyrus Dirksen. Joining us now, Brett McGarry. Uh, I'm ruminating over this senator versus representative, <laughs> Paul Ryan. I'm, it's driving me nuts. I thought, like, I, like I would put $5,000 on the fact that he was a senator. What the heck? <laughs> I'm going to stick to sports, okay? You do the new stuff. I'll do the sports stuff. Well, I think you can be forgiven no, one no, tiny mistake. No. The American political system is a it's a muddled mess. Uh, it's so a, much to remember. Oh, it's a real muddled mess right now, let me tell you, if you're well, just tuning in. Well, while Greg's beating himself up, it's, <laughs> it's a good thing that Dr. Cyrus is here because we're talking about... 
Five exercises that train your brain for happiness and success. We've already gone through differentiate between ruminating and problem solving, as well as give yourself the same advice you'd give to a trusted friend. Third on this article from Psychology Today, Dr. Cyrus, label your emotions. What does that mean? Label your feelings. Well, I mean, there are times when people feel things and they just are those feelings. That's probably not totally accurate to say it that way, but I like it. When somebody is uh, experiencing anger, you could say, I am feeling anger, or you could say, I am anger. Like when somebody is not aware of what they're feeling, when they're just acting from one thing to the next, that would be a potentially dangerous uh, or, or at least not as healthy place to be. And uh, it's the way a lot of us live our lives a lot of the time. And when you label your emotions, you become more aware of them. And when you have awareness over your emotional or cognitive processes, you just become more powerful. You become more powerful in your ability to make decisions about how you're going to react to those feelings. It might not change the feeling. It often does a little bit. But even if you label your feelings, you might not just get rid of the feeling. Uh, But you usually do gain more control over your reaction to it. So if somebody is just like, I am anger, they don't even realize they're angry, they're just reacting, they probably will just react. But if they are able to stop and say, you know what, I'm angry right now, that feeling might remain, but they might be able to say, what, I'm not going to do anything about it right now because I'm realizing that's what I'm feeling and I'm going to make this decision or I'm going to make that decision or maybe I will yell or something like that. It just gives them more control. So then that leads perhaps to balancing your emotions with logic, which is the fourth exercise that you can work on. Definitely. I mean, when you are uh, kind of emotional and uh, it does help, uh, people may have maybe had tried this um, and sometimes it doesn't work 100%. Uh, but when you think about a problem in a logical fashion, it does affect your feelings. Um, and Uh, And that's why you do it. You know, you can create, it says here, you know, a list of pros and cons. Uh, Try to get some perspective on your emotions and whether they're valid or not. I mean, when somebody comes to me and uh, they're having a problem with an emotion, they've usually tried this already. um, But it's still worth doing, at least for a short period of time in the beginning. You know, I'm afraid of planes. Okay, well... How likely is it that you would get hurt in a plane? And some, there are this, you know, some people don't know that it's actually quite safe to fly, but it's a good place to start. Oh, I know it's quite safe, but I'm still afraid. Okay, well, it was good to ask the question. It's good to think about it logically. Uh, sometimes you can't get past it. Sometimes the emotion's still there and you've got to do other things. But logic often does help. Well, Superman always used to say, statistically speaking, it's still one of the safest ways to travel. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I'm just imagining you're, you're laying out all these things. And I can't imagine that if you're emotionally together enough to, to try mm-hmm. any of or all of these things that we're laying out this afternoon, that there'd be a, any need to be seeing you. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. this seems as though these are actions of people who've really found a way to get in control of their emotions, to dissect them, to lay them out, and and to deal with them. Yes, if people are actually able to do these things, I think you're right. I am less likely to uh, see them. I think that uh, there are times, however, when uh, there, there's a lot of people who, who uh, aren't aware of these things or uh, dismiss them out of hand. And uh, it maybe needs to be reframed and kind of put into their context. So, uh, you know, if if somebody comes in and I say we're going to talk about our feelings, that might not be the best way to approach uh, a certain kind of person. You might have to say, uh, let's talk about our experiences. 
uh, or this isn't a therapy session, this is a meeting. Like you kind of sometimes need to put things into people's contexts in order to help them to, you know, take on different mental health strategies. But I think you're right. If people are doing a lot of these things, it makes it a lot less likely that they're going to be in that kind of trouble. And this this tip here, unbalance your emotions with logic, that makes me think of something... Uh, uh, I think it's called emotional reasoning, where people mm. people people will say, and I and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the gist of that is, well, I feel this way about it, so <laughs> so that's what I think. Whereas I like to think, well, I feel a, a way about something because of what I think of it. Like I think right. this is stupid, therefore, when you bring it up, I'm going to get mad. Right. Whereas <laughs> it's, where some people think that it's because of their emotions dictate what they think. Right. Did that make any sense? It makes a lot of sense. And it doesn't make sense. I think that, uh, I think... The way you laid it, the way Brett laid it out made sense, but it doesn't make sense that people deal with it that way? No, what he said makes sense, but it's also somewhat wrong. Uh, well, so, I told him to correct yeah. me. That's why he's here. People generally, uh, there, there are times when people will say, you know, I feel something, and so that means it's right. Um, and usually people will say, uh, I, I think something, I think that it's right to do this, and so I, th- I feel good about it. Kind of like what you were saying. That's, that is the more normal way that people say it. However, the way that people actually, their brains actually really work is usually that they feel something and then they justify it. So we're not aware of that. We're, we're not uh, aware of the fact that our emotions usually come first, uh, but that generally is the way that we make decisions. It's, we like to feel that uh, we're logical people. But generally speaking, we use our rational minds to justify our feelings and not the other way around. And the unfortunate thing about that is, uh, you know, uh, how generally speaking, it's very hard to be aware of that process. I mean, I'm saying that as if I maybe I'm aware of that and, and I have to say that I'm generally not either. It's one of those things that's very hard to get a handle on. Um, so you're right. And, and oftentimes we do think things through, but generally speaking, our emotions are much more powerful in our decision-making than we give them credit for. Well, look what just happened with you and I just here, right? I was, con- I was, I was certain Paul Ryan is a Senator <laughs> <laughs> and then he's no, he's a, he's a house representative and I know he's the speaker of the house, mm-hmm. uh, but that's the secondary job. No, but he's a Senator. No, no, he's a representative. Well, of course now Brett's challenging my knowledge. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> right. And so my immediate reaction, Action was no, he's a senator, yeah. and of course, I'm completely wrong. But my emotions got in the way of instead of listening to someone who's clearly more intelligent than I am, I wanted to fight back. But we do that all the time right. about so many things. That's yes, right. Paul Maurice is an excellent coach. Can you justify that? Well, no, not really, but I want him to be a good coach, and therefore, I'm going to find reasons to stand up for him. We do it all oh, the time. All the time. Confirmation bias. And this is why, generally speaking, even when you are 100% convinced about a decision, it is good to sleep on it because of this problem. We, it helps give our time, our emotions some time to get out of the way so we can think a little clearer. We're out of time, unfortunately. Dr. Cyrus Dirksen is a psychologist who visits us every Friday. His website, drcyrus.com. It is 3.07 on 680 CJOB. I'm Brett McGarry. He is Greg Mackling. and I'm Stress eating. 
<laughs> it's got some uh, mouthful of Oreo cookies. So while Greg is getting through the Oreo, mm. we have stuff to give away. Our final double pass for the advanced screening on March 29th of The Zookeeper's Wife, which is happening at Silver City Polo Park. It's based on a true story first presented in a book from 2007. Thousands of people are dying. The littlest of children. We have room. We could hide them. Bring as many as you can. Jessica Chastain plays the zookeeper's wife when things get bad in World War II in Poland. She uses her zoo in Warsaw to hide Jews from the Nazis. So... Serious topic doesn't mean we can't still have fun in giving away these passes. We've been doing crappy 80s TV trivia this week, along with some random movies made in Winnipeg trivia and crappy 80s movie trivia. So let's do some more crappy 80s movie trivia. And this is actually another suggestion from Greg, who won last week. Right. And he gave, uh, provided a, I think he suggest he may have been the one who suggested... Street, street Hawk. Yes, yeah, Street Hawk. And he also suggested this one. So here's today's question, Greg. What was that movie that was kind of a Blue Lagoon ripoff starring the girl who was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Oh, my. I think she was in Gremlins, too. Do you know what movie I'm talking about? Gremlins as well. Part Not Gremlins. Actually, no, I guess she would have been in Gremlins, too. But I meant Gremlins, <laughs> Gremlins as well. Gremlins as well as Gremlins, too. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? 204-780-6868. What was that movie that was kind of a Blue Lagoon ripoff starring the woman who was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Hmm. 204-780-6868. It's a movie from the early 80s, I believe. 1982 was the year. Should be able to find that easily enough while we await a winner on that. It's funny that you you asked me earlier, did Brett Ratner have anything to do with Fast Times at Ridgemont High? And you posed that question to me after I'd already... Written down. That is really bizarre, and Brett Ratner is was the name of a character in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Seriously? Correct. Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> so there's another Brett Ratner who's involved uh, in the Silicon Valley world uh, that uh, that that Brett Ratner was based on. Anyway, uh, in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but Rhett, Brett Ratner. Who is Brett Ratner in today's movie culture? He is a director. He is a producer, executive producer. He uh, is probably best known for directing the Rush Hour movies as well. All three as, of them? Yeah. As well as uh, X-Men The Last Stand, which is the one of the most hated, if not the most hated of all the X-Men movies. So that's his legacy, is, is making the, the, the what is seen to be the worst X-Men movie. Okay, so I've got two headlines in front of me. Mm-hmm. One says, Brett Ratner says Rotten Tomatoes is destroying movie culture. The other says, five reasons Brett Ratner's Rotten Tomatoes complaints are garbage. So divergent opinions uh, in front of me here. Rotten Tomatoes, for those that don't know. Is it a website where you can go, and it's an aggregator of movie reviews. So it's a great place... To go if you are on the fence about a movie, and then you can look at if you just want their snapshot score. Like, for example, I'll just pull it up right now. But it's saying that the Power Rangers, for example, this weekend, it's saying it's, according to the majority of critics, that it is, in fact, a rotten tomato. It has a 46% rating, which means 46% of the reviews are positive, 54 are negative. There's a $900 million movie, Batman versus Superman, received a 27% Rotten Tomatoes score. 
It's possible negative reviews prevented that number from being even higher, but claiming that the rating destroyed the film, let alone the entire industry behind it, is demonstrably false, which is one of the accusations coming from Ratner saying that Rotten Tomatoes... uh, uh, is is destroying movie culture and The Verge saying uh, this is a bunch of garbage. So where do you stand on this? Is the Rotten Tomatoes thing good? Is it bad? Is it sinking films that might be better than the tomato throwers uh, say? Well, I mean, I, I, I immediately laughed when I read that Brett Ratner was crying about Rotten Tomatoes because the majority of his films, and I don't want to say all of them, but the majority of his films don't get good reviews because he's not a good director. <laughs> I mean, X-Men The Last Stand was not the best movie. Rush, and, the first Rush Hour was pretty good. Yeah, the first Rush Hour was fun. The third one was awful. Sure. And he was an executive producer on Batman versus Superman, which was a bad movie. It got bad reviews because it was For a bad reason. I And hey, if you if you liked it, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying I didn't like it, and many others who saw it didn't like it as well. So I don't. I love Rotten Tomatoes. I've been going to this website for 15 years. I heard about Rotten Tomatoes from you on an episode of the Couch Potatoes many many moons ago, and it has now started to appear. On movie trailers and the promotional videos and the commercials, yep. uh, we see less and less of those, of course. But Rotten Tomatoes and the number of or lack of tomatoes thrown uh, and the percentage rating from that website finds its way into these promotions now, especially if it's particularly positive. They don't usually promote the negative Rotten Tomatoes, but you understand <laughs> where I'm coming from. Well, Get Out, which was recently uh, famously 100% through its opening weekend, they put that into the marketing, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's now at 99%, but still. And just a quick thought as well. A movie could have like a really high rating, but maybe not be the best movie. It could just mean that it's it's good enough that everybody will like it, but not necessarily love it. So if a movie has like a 90% rating, doesn't mean it's the best movie ever made. It just means that it's it could be the best movie ever made, or it could be just kind of... Okay. So you've been using this for some time. We'll update traffic and weather together in a moment. Then we come back. I want your personal opinion on this. Is it sliding? Is it taking away? And I won't use the word power, but maybe the influence of traditional movie reviewers, such as yourself and Jeff Braun. Is it sideswiping this opportunity for there to be movie experts. And this is a world where everybody thinks they're a comedian and an expert. And is this the uh, end of being an actual movie critic with some credential and some holding and standing in our society? We'll take a break. Traffic and weather together is next. Before we resume our conversation about Rotten Tomatoes and Brett Ratner whining about it, got to announce, got to give our congratulations to Jim Signatovich who won today's passes for The Zookeeper's Wife, happening March 29th, the advance screening at Silver City Polo Park. He successfully answered today's question for crappy 80s movie trivia. The question was, hey, uh, what was that movie that was kind of like a Blue Lagoon ripoff starring the woman who was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High and she was in Gremlins 2? The answer, a movie from 1982, Starring Phoebe Cates, called Paradise. A boy, a girl, a man obsessed, a battle, a death. 
a wilderness, rivers, sands, desert streams, fear, rage, survive, and dream. The birth of love, a newfound life, man, woman, paradise. Rated R. <laughs> Cornball as... Well, yeah. Anyway, is that Willie Ames from Eight Is Enough as her co-star? Is that what it is? Oh my goodness gracious, Phoebe Cates. She was Paradise, eighteen years old. Nineteen eighty-two. She she even she said that the movie was a ripoff. So oh really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So she clearly had no conviction to back up the movie that she was starring in. So congratulations to Jim Signatovich and thank you, Greg, for that suggestion. We very much appreciate it. Talking about Rotten Tomatoes, the headline, Brett Ratner says Rotten Tomatoes is destroying movie culture. He says the worst thing that we have in today's movie culture is Rotten Tomatoes. I think it is the destruction of our business. So, Greg, you were asking me, do I think that it is, in fact, hurting the movie business? I remember a time where I would watch Siskel and Ebert on TV. I loved watching their show. Leonard Leonard Maltin Hosted a show as well. I loved watching his movie reviews. So there were certain critics that I would go out of my way to try to find out, well, what did they think? You know, I used to read read Randall King's and sure. Allison Gilmore's reviews all the time. Right. Wanted to know what they thought about it. And I still do, but I think Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, there's another website called Metacritic, which is some uh, many see it as being a, a better website. I'm just so habituated to Rotten Tomatoes that I that's where I go. But, I mean, you can go to, like, if I click on another movie that's out today called Life, I just click on that, there are 112 reviews that you can read. I don't see how that's a problem. If you are curious enough to look at a website like Rotten Tomatoes, it means you care enough to maybe go see the movie. I don't think it, it hurts. And I think, if anything, it can help you, if you know, like, if you go see a movie and then you want to know what critics think about it, they might say something about the movie that you never thought of. They could actually turn your your view around. Like if I say, oh, I didn't really like that, and then I might read a few reviews and say, you know what, they have, they've, they've given me different perspectives. They've seen something in the movie that I maybe didn't see, but I know quite often when we're on the air, you get kudos quite a bit from text messages from people sending you uh Congratulations for turning them on to a TV series or a movie, etc. So I think these individuals, these critics, got followings over the years, but I think they had a little bit too much power to influence what movies people were seeing. And now it's the power of the people, right? You yeah. can write a review, even though this guy that uh, ruined the 100% for it, was it, uh, not, uh, was it Get Out? Yeah. For Get Out, right? It's like, but this guy's a tro- little bit of a troll, right? He he maybe, is that, how, is that how he gets his notoriety by being the outlier on this stuff? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, but people know that now, right? Mm-hmm. So... He's not really kiboshing anything other than taking away the 100% mark uh, that uh, Get Out had. And I'll just very quickly point out, we just got a text message saying, hey, I looked at this, I just looked at this Rotten Tomatoes website. Some of my favorite movies of all time are poorly rated. Here's a perfect example, not in the text. Home Alone, Christmas classic, is rated 55%. So Mm. it doesn't... It doesn't necessarily mean anything. People are going to watch the movies they want to watch regardless of what the critics say. 322 on 680 CJOB. Traffic, weather, sports, next. 338? 
338. Let's go with that. Mackling and McGarry. I seem to be loosey-goosey with the facts this afternoon anyway, so <laughs> why not? <laughs> Kyle Milroy's listening. Oh, I beat myself up, man. You know that yeah, about me. I, I Kyle Milroy sent me an email. He goes, Mark Ratner, not Brett Ratner, and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I got the last name right, at least. <laughs> he was the ticket taker in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and that ties together a whole bunch of stuff, and I apologize if it's inside baseball. We're going to broaden the conversation today. Hal Anderson joins us in hey, studio, host of Hal Anderson Weekends. Heard Saturdays and Sundays. Yes. How, how are you enjoying working I'm, two I'm, days a I'm, week? It's good. I'll tell you why it's good. <laughs> Because uh, it's hard getting up early in the mornings again. And I, while I could stay in bed probably theoretically another hour or so compared to back in the old days when I was up early, I don't. I just come in getting ready for the show. But it's good because then I have the week to rest up for the weekend again <laughs> when I'm exhausted again, you know. Yeah. yeah, I'm getting old, eh? I'm, I'm getting old. And, man, every day I get older, I realize new things that I just can't do or can't do as well or but no, I'm enjoying the show. It's a lot of fun. Brett, uh, I would nudge and say he looks great. Like, doesn't he look yeah, great? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, you know what? And it's funny because uh, now I just, I'm going to weigh here in the next few days again. I weigh every month because I don't want to weigh every week, right? But I weigh every month. And they, they keep warning. I say they, my doctor in Toronto and, the, you know, the nurses and stuff, they keep saying, Your well, team. don't. Your team. My team. Don't get discouraged, Hal, if you plateau, if some plateaus. I have not had a plateau yet. Every month I've lost 8, 10, 12 pounds. And so it's been really good. And I think my total now, it, total, total from, you know, I lost some on my own. And then since the gastric uh, sleeve surgery in July, I'm down 220 some pounds. That's outstanding. Yeah. Good for you. That's really so good. So the point is, what I was getting at is, I have more energy now, right? Sure. I'm like, wow. And even though I've still got, you know, a back issue and a couple things, it's just nice to feel like getting around and doing things and being back. The, the timing of being back here at OB has just been great. It's been perfect. Well, it's been great having yeah. you around. What do you have coming up uh, this oh, weekend? This is good. You guys are talking about Fast Times Original and Hind stuff. Listen to this. <laughs> Who will I have on my show uh, tomorrow? Catherine Bach. From Daisy, Daisy Duke? Duke? Daisy Duke from Dukes of Hazard. She's in town for World of Wheels. And I will have her on my show. She's at World of Wheels. Do you see the sphere of influence this man has? (laughs) Well, get this. Uh, So I'm setting up the interview and stuff. And uh, uh, I won't say why, but she she says, do I call you Hal or Big Hal? And I said, well, you can call me Big Hal. And she goes, I like Big Hal. I'm going to call you Big Hal. And I'm going, oh, my God. Is she coming in? This is Catherine. No, unfortunately, it's going to be on the phone. But she's calling me Big Hal. And I'm going, this is Catherine Buck. This is Daisy Duke from Dukes of Hazard. I mean, do you remember the poster I had? I had the Farrah Fawcett red uh, <laughs> bathing suit poster, right, which everybody had. But I Daisy Duke, I had the one in front of the bay, uh, bales of hay. And she had the Daisy Dukes on <laughs> and then the little plaid uh, shirt, right? Yes. And so I mentioned that the other day, setting up the interview and she goes you know she says that sold over five million copies back when posters were big right oh of course everybody had yeah. to have at least a dozen hanging so in the room i'm really excited about having her on because i want to talk to her about uh well you know just the show is it's uh, what was it about that show that made that show so great I don't. They know. had a little bit of everything, right? There was that the down characters home. were fantastic. The characters was down home, campy, fun. That's right. Yeah. The storyline was easy enough to follow along. Even Boss Hog, the bad guy, Good for was the whole entertaining. Family. Yep. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. So anyhow, she's coming on. So that's, I'm excited about that. That'll be a big deal. Uh, and then also uh, Todd McKay, uh, the Prairie Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. 
want to talk to him after, uh, you know, uh, Pallister's bills on Monday, maybe not going after the unions as hard as a lot of people thought he would. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we on track now uh, w- with the early info from Pallister to, you know, get things balanced in the province? Uh, we'll we'll talk to Todd McKay about that and uh, see what he has to say. And then, of course, tickets and prizes and all that kind of stuff, including Hal's Kitchen, $5,000 toward uh, your dream kitchen, uh, qualify on the show, and uh, Muchos Kilos. I think my band of big guys, me, Shaner, and Timmy, we got a song for you. That so. Hal's oh, Kitchen, nice. by yeah. the way, the, the boys, uh, Dale and Chris. Dale and Chris at uh, Winnipeg uh, Custom uh, Cabinets uh, and uh, Kitchens today. Uh, today. Uh, great guys, yeah. They did my kitchen. Last I know summer. they told me. Oh my they gosh! They said it was re- really a, a challenge. The, well, of course, uh, but nothing they said, I do uh, is easy. Right. But it was worth. But they while. said they they were happy with the work. Yeah, at they the did end. an incredible, incredible job. So yeah. I've that, never given them a shout out for that. Mm-hmm. Is that diplomatic speak for Greg is too demanding? Or no, listen, it, you know, <laughs> Greg's done a lot of renos, and you know, over the years, and I've I've you know always been involved in houses and and that kind of. It's just it's tough. Yeah, it it is tough. It's and especially when it's your own too. You know, if it's somebody else's, yeah. you're not so you know. But when it's your own, and then you've got you know you've got your Jackie, I've got my Jackie. Like when I met my Jackie, I was in the middle of a complete reno in my home. You know, she'd go home with drywall dust all over, and you know why she ever stuck with me, I'll never know. But <laughs> but it's just tough when you're you working on your home. Well, we think we're the contractors. You know who the oh, GC no. is. The exactly. general contractor are yeah. the two Jackies. They right. are ultimately in charge of every single decision that uh, you or I make. Yeah. And Jack I, Jackie, right now, my Jackie is on her way over to see Dale and Chris right now over there because she decided she has a whole room where she has because she's a fashion a stylist and a fashion blogger, so. It's She's got a whole room that's basically her closet, and she's now decided she needs to move her stuff around because she wants a desk so she can work in her. So she's on her way over there to find some countertop, right? But I can't just go, hey, guys, you know, send She's got to go check it out, and yeah. So the women, we love our women, right, our, the women in our lives, but they do definitely have their idea of how they want it, and that's fine. That's nothing wrong with that. Because ultimately they're correct and it looks way better the way they suggested than what you and I would have come up with. Absolutely. I mean, I don't want to get too off track here, but for example, (laughs) when we did our kitchen, Jackie said, I want to put this light over above the, the sink. And she showed me that, and it's a spaceship. That's all it is. This light that she found, it's a spaceship. Sure. And I went, this is ridiculous, Jack. Like, really? This is what you want? But you know what? People walk into our house now and they go, oh, and that's one of the highlights. And you're right. I would never have put it there. But she saw that, and she was able to do it. And well, on April 6th, you have Catherine Bach tomorrow from yes. Dukes of Hazard in studio for an hour. We're going to have Brian and Sarah Baumler nice. in the studio. And if you watch Brian Inc. He's at, fantastic. He is fantastic. And the way those two yep. go at it, well, they uh, built both the whole, light fixtures and the yeah. flips they've done. Right. Oh, I can't wait to get yeah. inside that relationship. Never mind the building yeah. and the reno stuff. How they get along. Their and, dynamic yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. I, listen, anybody who, if you can survive, if your marriage or relationship can survive through a reno, it can, it can tackle anything. It's true. For Hal Anderson falling into the vortex that is Mackling and McGarry. You see, <laughs> no, I you see how it happens? But this is what I said to you guys, and I've said this to both of you separately. I don't think I've said it to you. Like, I love your show, and I'll tell you why. Because you've got great, interesting stuff, but you guys have, and listen, I've been through a lot of partners in radio. 
You have what it takes to have a successful show. You have that chemistry. It's the same chemistry, Greg, that I told you you had with Chuck LaFlesh, right, on on the health report. That's what it takes. So, you know, you, you guys just have that. And you don't know you have it. You can't predict it until you do a show together and you go. And you, I'll bet you the first show you guys did together, you kind of went, yeah. There might be something there's here. There's something here. And then over time. And then seven years, you guys will have a divorce. You'll break up. That's just the, way it is. <laughs> <laughs> just, the seven year itch is real. I think it's after seven years. It seems like radio and real life relationships go through struggles. Six I hope you guys have many years together, but at least seven, six and a half to go. Then <laughs> Hal, will you do this again with us next Friday? Yeah. No, I'd love to. Any, okay. Anytime you want me, you let me know. What time uh, can we tune in tomorrow morning? It's appointment radio um, now for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, um, let's say. Uh, we're sort of back and forth between a couple of times. Let's say 9.30. For Catherine Bach? For Catherine Bach at 9.30. And yeah. uh, you get underway at 7, 7 till 10? 7 to 10 tomorrow and again on Sunday. Got a boy. Thanks, yeah. Hal. Great Thank to you, see boys. you. Yep. He is number 34, Hal Anderson. Mackling and McGarry, traffic and weather together. Next. Well, I guess about four minutes left in our Monday to Friday work week. You'll be here tomorrow, Brett. Yes. Delivering the news. Correct. From what time to what time? Uh, my, I'll be on from 12 until my final cast will be at 5.30. And what about Coach Potatoes? When can people hear that delightful program? Uh, 1 o'clock tomorrow, 4 o'clock Sunday, and the podcast will be available at Google Play and iTunes. Okay. Uh, Richard Cluche is here. Yes, 7, 7, 7. He's on seven days a week. We know. <laughs> we know, and our listeners know too. They're, they're aware and their concern for him is, is exemplary. Well, CJBM. <laughs> hey, Could by the work. way, that Rich, doesn't sound good. We, not to put you on the spot, Rich. Uh, you know, Hal was talking about his weight loss. You too have been on a, a journey of your own. Oh, don't feed his ego anymore than it needs to be. Come uh, he's on. He's worked hard. He deserves it. This is the he's one thing like, you get to brag right about. Now he's like a reformed ex smoker, not you. <laughs> You know, he judges everything we eat. He's he's making crass comments. We're, we got to work together on this event in a couple of weeks, and he's already making fun of me about how big I am. What? That, that, really? Yes, he fat yes, shame. He's already turning into that skinny guy. <laughs> Look at that. Well, that that actually was more amusing than me whatever answer he thinks he doth protest given. too much. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Hey, Mackling. Yes, we'll Cluche. See, we'll see you at the salad bar. <laughs> You'll be at the salad bar. I'll be eating steak. All right? I eat steak, too. Plain and steak. Yeah, I eat steak, too. What's yeah. on the show today, Rich? I have no clue. Julie? <laughs> I don't remember. There you go. Um, Wilma Dirksen will join us after the 4.30 news. We'll have more on uh, the DNA situation there. Uh, she is in the very unique position of... Not only being able to to comment, but to explain. Uh, she's been blogging throughout the, the the process here, and has been able to for somehow not separate herself, but she's been able to look at this and, and analyze this. So we have uh, an opportunity to chat with uh, with Wilma, and certainly uh, we're all thinking as parents, uh, the scramble is on for the upcoming. A holiday that begins, well, in a matter it's, of minutes it's now. It's, it's on, on now, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's on. A lot of people have headed out of town, but some people are doing the staycation thing, so we'll have some... We're talking about spring break. Yes, some yes. tips and some tricks to survive spring what do you do break with, the kids? with your kids. 
Well, I'm working now, so I came to the realization I may never get to go away with my kids on spring break nope, again, as long you as you won't. guys will have me around here. But uh, we used to do a staycation, but we did to Disneyland three years ago. So what are you doing with them next week? Are they uh, going to be around cur- here? They'll be here three hours a day. No, they're doing a curling <laughs> camp, actually. Sean Grassy <laughs> over at Deer Lodge is putting on a, a, a nice. camp over over the spring break, so that'll be kind of neat. But there are all sorts of all sorts of options that have come up For over sure. the years because with two parents working now, it makes it really tough. It does, and so we'll list some of those options and and, and ask you what you're doing with yeah, your kids. Yeah, and for the hopefully holidays. we're going to try and bring you the story of one camp that is called Camp. It's a circus camp, and it's for at at risk youth. And uh, they teach them some circus skills. So hopefully we'll be able to connect with those folks and and find out a little bit more about that. And speaking of circuses, the very latest on Washington and what's going on there with uh, Obamacare, still the law of the land out there. Uh, So all the news you need from Winnipeg and around the world coming up. We're going to try and sell this. We were very close on healthcare narrative now for the next handful of days, I imagine. But what was so wrong with Obamacare? Uh, We'll ask that question, get you some answers. How much weight have you lost, by the way? Um, about 20 pounds. Good for you. With all due respect, my friend, you, you look fantastic. Super proud of you. Feeling good. Happy for you. Still, Just jealous, st- still, that's still, all. Still, Yeah, it's like my, my love-hate but, relationship with Saskatchewan. But you think about the folks out here, uh, how many people have quit smoking in our building? Sure. How many people have done uh, weight loss, those types of things, made some life changes? And then, Brett, there's Greg Mackling. Well then, on that note, <laughs> Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham, goodbye. The news coming up from four until seven. See what I mean? <laughs> you know, Rich, I. It's okay, buddy. I'll see you Monday. Okay. I, I'm going to need That's an entire okay. weekend to recuperate okay. from this. Greg Mackling is his name. Brett McGarry is my name. Jeff Forte and Master Control. Thank you very much, sir, and thank you for listening to Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB.